I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to the Celtics Blog podcast. A little bit different than usual. I'm joined by somebody that is definitely a fan favorite, is definitely somebody everybody's going to want to hear from. I'm joined by Miss Abby Chin. How are you doing today, Abby? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's Friday. We made it. Hopefully, there's going to be some form of Celtics basketball this weekend. Uh, I felt lost all week. I don't know about you. Uh, yes, it, it actually was a nice break. Once the game started, they just kept coming. But um, Brad Stevens <laughs> talked to, uh, we just talked to Brad Stevens for the first time in a week. And he said it was just such a strange thing. What he did was he woke up every morning, learned that he couldn't come into the facility, and then... <laughs> had to shift gears. And so it's kind of, I think it's emblematic of what we are all dealing with during this pandemic. You never know what's going to happen. And you can so imagine that. You can imagine that Brad Stevens side eye as well, where he finds out he's not coming and it's just like the most evil side eye stare that you've ever had in your life. But it's also not, it's not anger. It's disappointment, which feels even worse, you know? Yeah, that can be, yeah, definitely. Because it's like, it's like when your, your parents say, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Right. I love his humor, though. I find him uh, one of the most underrated funny coaches in the entire league. I don't know one of the most funny coaches. He definitely uh, tries to get <laughs> some jabs in there when he can. He's so deadpan, though. So, you know, really early on, he had to laugh over the top to let you know that that was a joke and he knew it was a joke and he was kidding and that it's okay for you to laugh, too. So he It's is like the dad joke, right? The dad that everybody doesn't yeah. think funny, but he's there absolutely in the corner just dying no really guys that was a good one yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it just went over everybody else's head yeah but this makes sense i tweeted it i think earlier this month that's one of the things i really don't like about the zooms is i he doesn't get to hear my over-the-top laughter because i feel like because i'm always standing next to him in a scrum and so when he does tell those jokes i like to overemphasize the laugh to let him know that we got it and we understand <laughs> does he appreciate that too. or does he not like that I mean, I like to think he appreciates it. He hasn't asked me to stop or <laughs> said, oh, please, Abby. But <laughs> You're stroking the ego a little right. bit. The more you do it, the more the jokes are going to keep coming. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. You're right. Probably good because uh, the one he'd done about Peyton Pritchard the other day where he's like, he just needs to catch the ball in bands, that had me howling. And um, nobody else seemed to pick up on it. Nobody on the Zoom. Well, no, left. you can't. Um, they mute us. We're muted the whole time. And the PR is very strict with the mute button so as soon as you get your question out they hit it right back on and so um that's why i have been i've been during the bubble i got like three questions and i'm like how's your knee how long are you out what's it like you just have to get it all out there because they put the mute button on right back on you they don't want another jaking experiment that's why i don't think anyone that was another jaking experiment that, that was, was hilarious that was the best moment of the bubble in my opinion yeah, I think that was the best Zoom moment of 2020 yeah. um, in terms of sports. That was should brilliant. go in a Hall of Fame somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason <laughs> I'm going to play that backwards yes, yeah. just because I have it's, it's living an infamy on YouTube. I had him on the show um, probably about a week after that, and um, he he found it funny himself. Yeah. Didn't he? So, he wrote a whole article about uh, it too. He was he's a good sport about it. it was- I based the whole interview on on that one interaction. <laughs> I thought that was a. Uh, Excellent podcasting on my part. I agree. I think that so. One of the of main it. reasons why it was brilliant. Yeah. I'm going to watch it again. We need to. Um, I'll clip it into this as well if we're if I can figure out how to I make like that work. 
so one of the main reasons I wanted to bring you on, um, first of all, congratulations on the little one. I know that happened at the start of last year, but then last year kind of, you know, it didn't happen. Was it last year or was it the year before? Yep, two years ago. Yep, see, that's how my, my years have kind of blended in. Um, and then you had this really up and down year, right? So COVID happens, you come back, and then you're told like, hey, uh, you can work for the rest of the season, but then that's it. Social media is in uproar. There's petitions being signed everywhere. Did you see those petitions? I did, yes. And and, and everyone kind of sent me a little text like, I signed the petition, just so you know. It was very nice. <laughs> And then, so, and then obviously they realized like, Hey, I think we're making a mistake getting rid of Abby and you end up doing Kyle Draper's spot, which um, is an awesome turn of events. How's that year been for you as a roller coaster of emotions? It really was. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'll start at the beginning in August when we found out uh, that the layoffs were happening and it was at all of the NBC regionals. So, and um, sidelines were just done basically. And so that was, them telling me that day was hard, but I think like you mentioned, um, they let us, let me, gave me the opportunity to work through the rest of the season. So um, it was a really, uh, an opportunity for me to be in denial for a good extra two months. And I, and I definitely took advantage of that. <laughs> just continued to go to work. You mentioned the little ones, you know, we had all just been home uh, for four straight months. I, I wanted to get back to work. I was really excited to be back and, and, um, getting into the studio and doing games again. Uh, and so I was not ready for that to go away. And then um, in October is my last day was October 9th. And that um, is definitely when it really hit me that, you know, and it, I've said this many times, it's, a, it was my dream job. It's a, a, many people's dream job, you know, covering one of the best franchises in sports. I got to travel with the team. I was there every day. And so just to know that that um, wasn't going to be there anymore was heartbreaking. Um, and so I tried to, uh, I don't know, like I said, I was in denial. So that day that it hit was pretty hard. And I, I went to my husband and I said, we got to get out of here. I, I, we're going, I want to go on a road trip. I want to, I can't be in Boston anymore. And he was like, that's crazy. We can't just leave. I also have to work. We'll figure something out. And so we did, we did um, just a quick trip to Cape Cod. And then we did, a road trip, which I'm really thankful we did to see family. I have family in Ohio and my husband's family is in Kansas. And so we um, took the kids and my husband worked from each spot and we were in each spot for a week. And it was wonderful to be able to get to see those people. And then I feel like we also tried to be really safe about it. The fact that we were driving and peeing outside and everything. And uh, <laughs> so that took us through Thanksgiving and I was really grateful that we did that. And um, I got to get away and step away from everything for a little while. Um, and then yes, Kyle got the opportunity in Sacramento and that was something that he couldn't turn down. And um, so I jumped at the opportunity. I, I'm not sure that it was necessary, necessarily uh, NBC writing a wrong in that it was just, um, I was given the opportunity and I am super excited to have gotten it. And, and I feel like I pushed for it and I fought for it. And I got it. And so, yes, I am back doing another season and I am super excited about it, despite all this COVID issue, all these COVID issues. Um, but it's been really fun so far. It, it is different. I had hosted some studio shows during my two maternity leaves, but it's totally different being in the seat, doing it every day, getting to have these conversations that carry on and then also see the season develop through a different lens. And so it's been really cool. I love 
perk. He is amazing in like so many different ways. And just the fact that he's so early in his broadcasting career blows my mind because he's so good. Um, and then, you know, Scal is Scal is Scal. And I've known Scal for you know eight years now. This is my eighth season covering the team. And Scal has, well, he was in Golden State uh, that first season. I met him and had worked with him ever since. And he is, we have a friendship and a relationship that um, allows, I feel like, for us to be honest with each other. And I appreciate that. And I think it's um, something that's genuine and has built over time. And so it's fun for me to get to spend more time with him on air. I was, you kind of took the next question straight out of my mouth. It was about the relationships, um, especially with you and Perk. It kind of translates over TV as well. I mean, I, I kind of watch it the next day because we don't get NBC Boston uh, because I'm unfortunate in that way. But I do watch it the next day. I'll try and find a replay. And you and Perk really seem to click. Did you know each other before you moved over into the studio or is this like a new relationship that you're forming along the way? I did not cover him when uh, he was here previously playing. Um, but he had done a couple of games, calling games when we were on the road. He had done, I think, a couple in Dallas and one somewhere else. So I did have a relationship with relationship with him prior. And then also in the bubble, he did a bunch of games with us. And so while I was technically on the sidelines for those games, I was involved in the studio shows and we were all doing segments together. So um, I did not know him before, but now that I know him in this context, I mean, he's, He's awesome. I love how honest he is, how real he keeps it. And he keeps Scal on his toes, which is something that I cannot thank him enough for, because um, I think it, it definitely changes the dynamic of the show and it for the better. How difficult was it for you coming in, kind of replacing Kyle that had kind of built, he'd made that his own for such a long time and he did it his way. And now you've came in and it's a different cast and everyone's kind of adjusting on the fly. Have you, is that been more fun or have you been like, Oh God, I've really got a big shoes to fill. I haven't really looked at it that way. Um, I feel like because I had hosted some before. And so I, I, I know the flow. I know um, all the producers I've worked with, you know, for years now. And so I felt comfortable in that. And I do feel like um, it is going to be different because it's me. And, and that's, a good thing can be a good thing. You know, I don't necessarily, I don't know. I didn't think about stepping into his foot, his shoes because the show is about the Celtics. To me, it's not about us. It's about the basketball. And, and if we can bring that in a fun, entertaining way to everyone, I think that's all the better. And so that's what I feel like my focus has been, but you're right. Kyle, is incredible and he's doing great things in Sacramento, but he also gets to pursue the dream of doing play-by-play as well. And so that was an incredible opportunity for him. And and it was, it's been nice for me to kind of just slide in and get back. You know, it's um, pushing my uh, career and pushing my skills to a different level, but also doing it within the comfortable confines of, the Celtics and this team I know and and people that I've worked with for years. And so that's been a really nice um, transition for me. Just so, just for what it's worth, every group chat I'm in uh, with people in Boston are all saying it's better now. So just so we can, um, no shade to Kyle, but you know, we've got to be honest where we can. 
So you leave, you have your last day, you kind of go away. Before you go, was there a leaving party? Did you have to say bye to everyone and then kind of like scurry back? Like, um, hell yeah, again? Well, because of COVID, there's hardly anyone in the building. So yeah, it was kind of, it was, it was very strange. Um, and then also, and I don't know if you saw the clip, but my last show. So Perk, we have him remote. He joins us via Zoom every game. And it was the last one. And our producer had kind of set aside some time for me to say goodbye and um, Perk just totally rolled over that and was like saying all this stuff. And then once I started saying my uh, my piece, his face just went like, oh, he's like, I just totally stepped on that. Uh, he's like, I had no idea. Um, and so I thought that was pretty funny. And also, you know, just very indicative of our show and the free flow and how much um, we really appreciate and enjoy each other. And so I'm, I was thankful to get a chance to say goodbye on air and and get that kind of closure. Um, but I'm even more grateful to be back. And and you're right, you mentioned it, the online response was incredible. And the, um, I've said this a few times, you know, the first, so I found out, I think on a Monday, news broke on a Tuesday, and, and then that Wednesday, um, all the social media and stuff, it just, it lifted me. It, it was wonderful and was incredible for me. I don't know, just for me and my family to see that, to see the impact that I had that I don't know that I necessarily felt it before that. Um, but then it just became too much because I couldn't, I didn't want to get my hopes up. I didn't want to think about trying to find a way to come back. And I just had to try and wrap my mind around the fact that this chapter was ending. And so, um, yeah, it was just, like you said, it was a mental roller coaster and something I feel like I'm still not sure, you know, I, I feel like I'm on a rise again, but I don't know what, who knows what's going to happen. Eventually. I mean, that, that social media, right. Um, is something you don't really expect to see. And then everybody, like, I think I signed probably two of the petitions. People were creating Twitter accounts, just rehire TV, Abby. It was, um, it was insane. And now it's come full circle and you're doing these post games and stuff. How are you finding it different now because of the way COVID is? You said earlier the games are coming like every other day, um, except for this week is an outlier at the moment. How hard is that to keep up with and to kind of be prepped every other day to be back in the studio recording? And no, you're basically on the same schedule as the players at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love it. I, I love working. I love basketball and the fact that we do get it every day and and I think I said it earlier I, I love that we get to continue these conversations so before the season obviously all eyes on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and I feel like Scal was not ready wanted to give them some time to be anointed to this dynamic duo and one of the best in the east and um, they didn't need that time and I think that that was so cool to watch in real time and then also be able to you know, bring back conversations and say, well, why, why did you think that? Why wouldn't they have been? And um, that short preseason, I mean, obviously was not an indicator of anything that we were going to see in the regular season, but it was just, um, it's just been so interesting to me. And, and I didn't realize how different it would be covering and following the season um, in this way versus on the sidelines. Cause in the, when I'm on the sidelines, I am, I'm there every day. I was at every practice, but my job is to highlight specific stories, not necessarily cover the big picture. And while I'm cognizant of that and um, completely aware of that, the studio show is. The studio show is so focused on the big picture and where things are headed and um, specific performances and things like that. And so it's been really um, pushed me to do more. And I've 
loved it, loved every second of it. And I would say um, that my kids are the only ones who are like, what, you have to go to work again? <laughs> like my, my daughter knows when I bring out the makeup bag, she's like, oh, you have a game tonight? <laughs> yep, here to go. That's she's awesome. also my fashion advisor and all of that. So they're mm, excited. Fashion advice off kids, you're going to work in um, like Superman capes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hold up two dresses for her and then I push the one that I want her to choose, you know. Does forward she, just a little bit does she has she cut that pointing at the other one no she's not going on she does um sometimes i'll ask her to go choose shoes for me and she always chooses the most high heels and most uncomfortable shoes that anyone could ever wear and that's what i end up walking out of the house in so <laughs> she does win there spares in the trunk yeah exactly yeah. yes what's it like like you've got relationships with all of these players um and then now you're in the studio sometimes you've got to point out what they're not doing too good. How's that been a transition for you? Like, obviously you've built friendships with some of these guys. Um, they're all awesome people. And now you're going like, well, today he was kind of bad. And this is why he was bad. D did they hit you up afterwards? Like, Abby? No one has yet. And you're right. It's a great question. And that was something that I didn't have to do in my role on the sidelines because, um, number one, because I, I needed to have those relationships with relationships with them because we need those one-on-ones we need them to want to talk to me um for the shows and to not be angry with me and so um it is different and it's something that I am working on it it doesn't necessarily come naturally to me I I think to um criticize harshly a performance that I know that I something that I could never do <laughs> be out there doing I mean I can see what's going wrong but um, I, I couldn't be the one to go out there and fix it. And so um, it's going to, I think, be something that will take me some time and I am growing into that role. But that's another reason why I love having Perk and Scal there because um, like I said, Perk is keeping it real, but then it's also um, more of my job to say, why is this happening? Why isn't Jason getting to the line? Why, you know, um, why is Brad sticking with the double big lineup? Just so we can all get those answers and I try to definitely have you know numbers backing me up and um whatever my arguments are and so um but it, it has it's pushed me and and I'm enjoying that development the reason I ask is because Grant Williams seems to me like the most likable guy in the locker room um, whenever I spoke he to is. players they're like Grant Williams is like the life and soul of the locker room and he struggled for a few games so especially defensively so I was like how would anybody be able to say something bad about Grant Williams, knowing they were going to have to see Grant Williams the next day? And he's the type of guy that would most likely not say anything to you if you upset him. He wouldn't. I don't think he would if you, if he saw something that you said negatively about him. I don't think he would say anything after. Although I, I do think he would know and maybe give you a side eye. Like I, I saw what you said. But I think that's what makes players and athletes and people great is that even when you do you use those criticisms as fuel and fuel the fire, fuel to the fire and want to get better. And Grant Williams, I feel like you're right from those first few games to now has done a 180 defensively and has made a huge impact on that end of the floor. And I'm excited. I know this sounds, um, I may like a green teamer, but I'm, I'm really excited for Friday night to get to see these guys like an Aaron Neesmith without having to play of the fear of getting yanked because he missed a defensive assignment. You know, I'm, I want to see Neesmith throw down 10-3 attempts and just to see what happens. And um, I'm 
excited for at least a few games to see what happens, what that looks like on the floor. I mean, that's tough for Brad as well, right? Like when he first came into the Celtics, he had all these young guys and Jalen Brown could play through some mistakes. Then he could yank him after other defensive mistakes and teach him. It's It's a teachable moment. But now the pressure's up for contention and a good seeding spot so you get a bit of an easier playoff run. Guys like Neesmith tend to have to develop in the G League, but now there is no G League. So then the, the narrative's like, well, why isn't Brad playing the young guy? And then it's like, well, he is. He's just not playing the young guy that got right. picked 14th. And it, it's a tough one. Talking of which, how do you, how, what's your ex, um, experience with Peyton Pritchard as a person? We've seen him as a player. He's a killer. But what about as I've a only, and that's the problem with these Zooms and this Zoom culture that we now have in the media is I can't give you a real grasp. Usually I get to, um, I'm on the road and I do see them, not necessarily, uh, not socially or anything, but you see them around and in the hotels and things. And um, So I don't have a real grasp on Peyton. I will say, like you said, Grant Williams is the nicest guy. He's one. He's someone who will come up to you and and talk to you like you're a normal person, which is you know not at, not the norm in this league. <laughs> you talk about NBA stars, not the Grant is a star, but um, NBA players. But Peyton has been an aberration to me. You talk about the young players, and I know he played four years at Oregon, but coming in and stepping in. After having virtually no training camp, did not have summer league, and the fact that he's been able to go out there and look like he belongs and then actually hitting game winners has been incredible. And that's something that I can't get out of Burke and Scal as a like, concrete answer as to how he is doing this. It's just, this is who he is. He's got that poise that is something that you can't teach. And, and the feel for the game and, like you said, that heart. And so it's been so fun to watch. And um, I'm excited to see, I feel like, you know, with these four-year players, everyone says the ceiling is so low. And, and I don't think that is going to be the case with Peyton Pritchard. I've been very vocal about support for Peyton Pritchard this week and last week, actually. Um, it's a running joke, my co-host who is in LA. So he woke up late, like, dude, I woke up late. I can't make sure. Tut, tut, tut. Um, he, running joke is he was wrong in every episode I tell him he was wrong so um, I'll just get that in there so I don't miss that running joke but for me it was like well you sign Jeff Teague because you need that veteran point guard presence and then you draft Peyton Pritchard and now Peyton Pritchard is your veteran point guard presence as a rookie you, I feel a little bit sorry for Jeff Teague because I'm like when Kemba's back where's his minutes going to come from because Pritchard is doing so well now we talk about Grant Williams being a nice guy I want to know have you had the Catan game with Grant Williams I have not played Catan. Oh, that's no good. I don't know how to. I haven't. I, I would like to. Yes. Maybe something we can do over Zoom. I have no idea how to play either. But um, he was, I, I remember about three, four weeks ago, he was talking about it on Zoom. And yeah. um, somebody tweeted out about it. And I was like, I've got, to, I've got to order it because I have no idea how it have works. Have you tried? Have you played yet? No. No, because <laughs> I have, I've got, a, it's going to be a YouTube um deep mm. dive to understand what's going on because that's just I don't understand how it's fun I, I don't I, no. I know that there are cities and lands and um I don't know it sounds intense but it also sounds fun I've really during the pandemic we got into the train game and so maybe it's like that I have no idea the train game um it's a 
game where you get cards and you have to build trains across maps. Is it the one based in London and you have to try and catch the car? No. 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 There's too many of these games. It's a train game. Um, anyway, yeah, sorry, but yeah, <laughs> I do. I love board games as much as the next. So yes, I'm all for playing Catan with Grant Williams. We'll have to talk to PR, see if we can make that happen over Zoom. A Zoom, yeah, you'd have to like have a camera directly on the board with its own Zoom account. Yeah. So you could, that'd be epic. That would be fun. I don't know how we've got here, but I'm glad. Ticket to Ride is the name of the game. That's that the, yeah, so you have to try and figure out where the other person's going to yeah. be. Yeah. yeah, that's um, that's quite popular here. Another one here is Concept. Have you played that? No, I've so been that, playing a lot of code names. What's Concept? It's like um, my my accent's gonna butcher this, but it's like charades. But uh-huh. um, you have everything's on a board, so you'll have um, each square on the board is a different thing. So one's for movies, one's for TV, mm-hmm. and you have different colored chips, and you put one chip on to say it's a movie and then the next color chip means it's um you know it could be about a boy and a girl and you have to build this charade but on a board and then people have to try and figure out what exactly what it is you're on about it's really good um with drinks it's not so much good without drinks are better highly recommend it it doesn't i'm not making it sound as good as what it is um but definitely check it out and then tell grant williams and then play that online as well okay so now to wrap this up, because um, I don't know how we got to board games, but I'm glad we did. Um, to wrap it up, to wrap up, so th- you know where the team wants to be. You're hoping to kind of cover them all the way. Where do you kind of see them finishing up this year? For me, I don't see them as a championship team this year. I would have pushed back on that. I was feeling very good before all of this COVID stuff, and not that uh, the positive tests have changed any of that. What has changed is the Eastern Conference and what's going on in Brooklyn. And with the addition of James Harden to the Nets with Kevin Durant and the way that he's playing coming off an Achilles at his age is incredible. And just played his first back-to-back last night. And then Kyrie, I assume, is going to pull it together at least enough for one playoff run with this group. Although who knows now with James Harden and everyone calling for the ball. But I, I think that that um, certainly creates a bigger problem in the East. And then you still have Giannis doing what he's doing. And then the Sixers playing as well as they are with Doc at the helm. And so I, I do think it will be to get, it will be an accomplishment to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I think they're capable of doing that with the way that we're seeing Jalen and Jason play right now. And um, the addition of Tristan Thompson and Rob Williams also coming on and, and the consistency that he's been able to find. And so that's what I was excited about and before all of this. And, but now I just think the East is so tough for this season. And so, um, you know, if they can find their way through, maybe get some good seating somehow, some way, um, which they have in the past, you know, it happens. Um, I think that the bigger emphasis is just going to be on getting through this season where we are right now after dealing with all of this. Um, let's just get to the playoffs and then see what happens. Do you see it going into another bubble? I think that it's totally possible for the playoffs because it's a smaller window, fewer teams, fewer people that you have to contain. Um, I don't think that that is going to be an option at any point during the regular season. It's just too many people, too much sacrifice, and it costs more than I think the league and the owners are willing to pay right now. Yeah, because then that affects the players' money next year as well, which is... uh... Nobody wants to be losing that much money. Before I wrap up, you mentioned Kyrie. 
Do you agree with Stephen A. Smith, Kyrie should retire? Or do you think that that was just the most outlandish claim ever? I don't think that was outlandish for Stephen A. to make that. I mean, from everything that Kyrie has said, even the fact that we, um, even when he was here and was talking about, you know, someday I'm going to be out on off the grid and won't have to think or hear from you guys ever again. And if that's what he's thinking about, you know, more power to you. But this game has afforded you this lifestyle and these opportunities to make a difference. It continues to pay your exorbitant salary with which you're able to do all of these things that you want to do. And so I, there are responsibilities that come with that. And so um, I hope that he can, he's an incredible talent. He's so fun to watch. And now that he's being surrounded by even more talent, um, I think that's going to really put him to the test as well for what he's willing to sacrifice for that. Um, Cause we saw in moments that that sacrifice he was those were sacrifices he was not willing to make when he was here in Boston playing with the younger Jalen and Jason um and so I hope he doesn't retire I, I don't think I think that he believes that he loves the game too much to do that um but I don't know you know who can predict anything that happens with Kyrie and goes on with Kyrie Kyrie doesn't predict what happens no, with Kyrie he knows, it's yeah. um it's a really good show to watch, though. I've paid to see a fly on the wall show of Kyrie where he's at right now. I, I have thought about getting some sage, too, to, like, really, you know, clean up my aura. Cleanse. I feel like any bad juju, that would be an answer for it. So maybe I do need to get some sage after that roller coaster <laughs> year that I've been through. So. Yeah, I mean, it might work. It's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a good way of cleansing so that pretty much wraps us up. Um, I really want to say thank you for jumping on. I'm sure everybody listening is going to be super happy to listen to this interview. Uh, and I've been told to say this by multiple people, again, from multiple group chats. We're all super stoked that we get to watch you guys throughout the, the rest of the year and moving forward, hopefully more years. And definitely we'll try and do this again at the end of the season and see how the rest of the year went for you. And more importantly, is it more important? Maybe not more pertinently probably the better answer better word how it goes for the team so thanks very much thank you very much